Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. So welcome to the podcast. Today I'm with a new friend. We've only known each other for uh, just a matter of weeks. His name is Larry Acosta, and he leads City to City in Los Angeles. Uh, L.A. is a special place to me. It's where I met my wife. It's where she grew up, actually. And um, we lived there for 19 years. I, I remember as a, a young boy discovering there was a Los Angeles and, and thinking this is my future. And so when I see the, the hurt that's going on in the city and the pain that it's gone through, it, it just it grieves my heart. I meet somebody like Larry, and it it gives me hope. And so, Larry, just welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking time to be with us today. Ralph, it's an honor to be with you, buddy. I told you last time when we met, and all of us are standing on your shoulders uh, trying to do what God's called us to do in this season. So it's an honor to be with you today, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, You know, hearing that somebody else has grabbed the baton going forward always is makes whatever happened in the past worth doing. But I, I want you just to talk to us about um, first the scope of what you guys are doing in LA. And then um, I got to go back and say it again. Um, I, I'd like you to um, go in and, and tell us a little bit about the scope of what you're doing in LA. And then if you could go and just explain to Everybody, some just give us some stories, some war stories. We want to we want to hear of the goodness of God and what He's doing. Yeah, well, thank you um, for this opportunity. And um, in terms of the scope, um, city to city, Los Angeles, we have a pretty broad region. You know, it, even though LA is the epicenter of all that, you know, how we want to see new churches planted there in LA and beyond. But my actual region is Ventura County to the Mexican border. Wow. So that's a a large part of Southern California, right? So the bottom third of the state, basically, maybe 40 million people probably in that that region. And so we want to see new gospel-centered churches planted in this region. And so we put this bold vision out there to see 100 healthy, new Uh, gospel-centered churches planted by 2026. And we charted that in 2019 before I knew COVID was around the corner. Uh. Uh, So so hopefully it wasn't just me going out on a limb. Hopefully that was a a big, holy, audacious goal that the Lord gave us. But, you know, we're we're going for it. We've seen uh, 18 new churches planted Uh. in LA County and beyond in since that uh, was charted. So they planted in 2020 and then others planted in 2021. So we've seen 18 new churches even come through that COVID season. And so we, we still have our work cut out for us. And so we, we have guys in our pipeline, um, both in our leadership development uh, process and what we call a uh, learning community, as well as our church planting school that we call an incubator. And so Ralph, we have 22 people in our English incubator 
they meet monthly for ongoing training and coaching and development. And then we have another 12 in our Spanish incubator cohort and there they meet monthly as well. And so we hope that next year we'll get 20 plus new churches planted out of those two cohorts. And so I think that's fairly conservative, but you know, we, 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 we think we're still on track to hit that, that goal by the end of 2026. So with God's help, of course, and uh, you know, for, Oh, that's exciting. Um, I mean, it seems to me like what we're going to want to see is those numbers reverse a little bit where the, the, the number of Hispanic individuals that you're involved with should grow pretty quickly, huh? Absolutely. I, we, we just added the Spanish cohort to our model this year. And, um, and so, yeah, we, we think that's going to eclipse our English uh, cohort next year or the year after for sure. But um, so we are definitely excited about that and investing in that to see that happen, to multiply the training team in Spanish, get them more familiar. So this next year we'll be hosting a train the trainers uh, gathering so we can get more people up to speed on all of our training content. Um, as well as multiplying leaders um, in uh, in Spanish in, in with through our learning community, so it, there's a lot to build it out. But to your point, yes, we hope that eclipses uh, for what God wants to do here in Southern California. So something something has changed. That I I have no idea the the question I'm about to ask you. I'm I'm pretty ignorant. But when I was starting out, and I'm old, so when I would say I was starting out, it's like 1968 69 before we planted the church okay i used to live in uh granada hills in the san fernando valley and uh, the next real population center next to us was san fernando the city of san fernando and um we we were we didn't know what we we're doing but we were talking about starting churches and we we weren't the church i was in we weren't in any any situation where we could do that. We were just talking about it. But I remember um, going to a funeral in San Fernando and the pastor was like on fire. I mean, it was, I was really, really impressed with this guy. Then I, I, I started talking to somebody about um, in from his church about you guys need to be starting more churches. Mm. And what the feedback I got was, no, that generation doesn't want anything to do with starting churches they're seen as a threat or competition, mm-hmm. all of yeah. that. And so that's just kind of stuck with me. I, you know, moved to the beach. Uh, we we did plant some Hispanic churches in the Lawndale area over near Gardena from where I was at. But then I moved to Hawaii. And, I, and so I come back and, and now I hear things are flourishing. Exponential Espanol is cranking. You guys are cranking. I, there's some other people I know here in San Diego that uh, young guys are planting churches and they're not meeting with any opposition or they're ducking the opposition. I don't know which. Uh, what Something seems to have changed. There's so much hope that there wasn't before. Yeah, I think um, to your point, I think there was a long season when um, there were boomer and builder generation folks were in charge and they were not willing to bless out succeeding generations and young pastors and leaders to go multiply the church. That was seen 
as a threat. To your point, that was, uh, uh, you know, they were wanted to stay, you know, they, the, those lead pastors wanted them to stay and help them build a bigger church, you know, bigger empire, if you will. Right. Yeah. And, um, but in recent years, we're seeing um, more leaders. Um, now they're not all being blessed out by their local churches. I don't want to posture that as though it's healthy now. Yeah. Um, but I will say that we do have a large number of bivocational pastors and leaders that uh, Latino and others that um, are bivocational. They, they have successful businesses, some of them. And so they are following the call of God and they're funding some of these church plants, you know, out of their own pocket, out of their own businesses. Um, uh, not exclusively, but I'm just saying that there are some of these young entrepreneurs that are able to follow the call of God. They still have some form of accountability, but they're not solely dependent on a local church or pastor being willing to be their covering specifically. And they're able to follow the call of God. So we are seeing a lot of healthy new churches being planted, like I said, in Spanish, but, but by other Latinos and other second and third gen ethnic leaders uh, to reach succeeding generations in a place as diverse as Los Angeles and the surrounding areas. That's amazing. You know, for so long, people have kind of made LA into a downer. I, I, I just, you know, I have so many good memories of LA and, and, um, and, and and it's it struggles and i i just am so happy to hear the kind of things that i'm hearing we're hearing here in san diego that uh again there seems to be um I, I, by by no means is it normative but we're starting to see a lot more of what you just mentioned where the bivocational um the innovator the guy who started his own business is now starting a church as well and yeah uh, a new model seems to be emerging. Absolutely. So tell us, tell us some, you know, I mean, do what you want. If you, if you got more, you'd like to tell us about the overall ministry. It, I just want to expose people to what you guys are doing and however you want to, but I, I really want to make sure we hear some, some individual stories, some of the things that, that, stand out in, in your mind that, that you like to talk about? Yeah, that'd be great, Ralph. Thank you uh, for that. Um, one of the things that I'll say that I think is a little bit unique, I mean, everybody's talking about planting multi-ethnic churches and congregations and the succeeding generations, you know, that's normative for them. You know, uh, um, the older generation, you know, it's it takes intentionality for us to transition uh, existing churches into becoming more um, intentionally diverse and sharing power and diversifying the platform. But the younger generation, um, seeing a, a multi-ethnic expression, their friend groups are multi-ethnic. You did ministry in Hawaii, that was multi-ethnic. And, and um, it's, it's, it's nothing new to the culture. And so it's, it is something that we definitely prioritize here at City to City so uh, we're trying to we're trying to plant new churches and whenever possible with ethnic leaders at, as the point person. And it doesn't mean we don't want wonderful Anglo folks to plant churches. When they do, though, we want them to if if it fits their context to be intentionally multi-ethnic and to diversify their team. So I'd say that's that's just one thing that 
needs to happen in order for it to be relevant to millennials and Gen Z and and succeeding generations, there needs to be some genuine uh, intentionality behind diversifying their teams from the jump. And so um, I will say what's, that's, that's a priority or a core value for city to city LA. <clears throat> and I'll say the other thing is that I, I feel like our team celebrates is that <clears throat> when city to city New York started, they started with some wonderful folks that were following Keller uh, and they uh, attracted a lot of uh, highly theologically trained, predominantly Anglo leaders. And those were that first couple waves of planters. And then they had to diversify the planters they were training and mobilizing and catch up, if you will. And now it's healthy and rebalanced. But I, I tried to learn from what happened in New York when it was uh, first started by Redeemer and here in LA, I wanted to start with ethnic pastors who were planting among the urban poor from the jump. That was our first cohort. If you, uh, if you could see these guys, these are guys planting in Watts. These are guys um, planting in hard parts of the city. And we wanted to start there with that value and priority and then to let it uh, emanate from that point in priority. And so it doesn't mean that we don't have a few Anglo guys that come in and, and plant in nice communities and nice neighborhoods or upper or middle-class neighborhoods. It just means we tell them, look, come join with us. We just want to value those that are planting among the urban poor. That's our priority, but you're going to still get great principle-centered leadership and development and practical principles for multiplying your church or launching your church and, and your given community. And it seemed to work well. It just feels like it's a new day, Ralph, and we should plant churches with, um, with the, the poor and some of these uh, uh, kind of where the church sometimes, if we're honest, is often weakest. You know, these priorities in some of these urban poor communities, let's, let's, let's start with the priority there where ethnic pastors are leading those churches, and then let's emanate out from there. So those, those are a couple distinctives, I feel, um, that are maybe unique to city to city, and we, uh, we feel like that's a healthy balance to have. You know, hearing you say that, uh, and looking back on my years in Hawaii, uh, when I first moved there, I, they, some of the white people called me a reverse racist uh, because <laughs> at that time, if it was a white pastor, it's a it's a white church, and right. we determined we are not going to be a, yeah. a white church. And you know, we 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 ran we we took a small facility and overdrove it. We at one point we had wow. seven services on a weekend that you only went to one of them. But we we were also a rock and roll church. So we got bands with 11 to 13 people. And I would always look at the band. And it and, and sometimes there would be no white person up there. I was thrilled oh, wow. at that. If yeah. I saw too many white people, I was nervous about that. Because who's up front is going to yeah. tell people as they walk in the door or something. Yeah. But we were decidedly middle class. We did, we did a very poor job with wealthy people. And we did pretty well with the urban poor, but uh, like we moved, we got we got a land, and it moved us away from the bus stop, and we lost wow. some of our people. Yeah. We even tried to to go pick them up at the bus stop and drive them to church, 
Mm. It didn't work for them. They didn't like that. But then the other thing that was so weird is in the last few years that I was there, we're doing a great job with homeless people. We had had guys who had decided I'm going to pastor the people who live in this cluster. And then when the police come and, you know, do the sweep and throw away all their belongings, you got to go find your church because they tend to move together in clusters. And so you ask around, you finally find out where these people are. But in between, we still weren't doing a real hot job with the urban poor. And, you know, Jesus said he came for the oppressed, for the poor, for the prisoners. This is this is an area where I think the church in general, we just need help. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Ralph. I I think, um, you know, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to be about it. Right. And so a couple quick stories. Um, I'm really proud of a couple. uh, A lot of our guys are they're intentionally serving in these tough communities. Uh, One of our planters, a guy named Eric Vasquez, he's planting in Pomona and these are there are five rival gang communities within Pomona and Eric during COVID he planted a church out of his home it started at a park but the city shut that down because it was during COVID so he moved it to his house so he moves it to his house and these are all gang influenced youth he has a his day job connects him to youth from the streets and uh tough tough kids and and um so he starts a, a, house, a house church at, a, at his home with his wife and a handful of uh, folks that were part of the core team. And so that began to grow. Now, these are um, youth. Some are not Christians yet. Some were out partying the night before. They show up to his house at noon for food, and they have a big lunch for an hour. And then church starts at 1 o'clock. And so one o'clock, you know, he gathers everyone. Some of these are so green. They, they don't have a ton of worship music yet, even because this is they're just that that new to any yeah. kind of a church gathering. Right. So he teaches for maybe 15 minutes and he goes, he, he does a great job teaching, doing book studies and teaching expositionally. You know, and he he'll he'll take little chunks of scripture. He'll teach for maybe 12 to 15 minutes. And then he puts them in small groups, little huddles. And for an hour, they're processing questions through the text, but also with a lot of life application. And it feels a lot more like a, a discipleship group with his leaders leading it and facilitating those groups. And um, he's already multiplied twice uh, wow. during COVID. And so uh, his vision is to see the, this uh, house church, his house church multiply into all five of the rival gang neighborhoods led by some of his various team members um, that, that would lead those clusters and those gatherings and those rival gang neighborhoods. So they don't have to travel into a gang where they might get hit up and ask where you're from and that kind of pressure where they can be germane to their own uh, uh, neighborhood. So that, that's just one example of someone that's innovating, but, but, but to your point earlier of reaching a certain nuanced group, right? Someone that's not going to, these are people far from God. They're not going to be welcome at a lot of churches. They're not going to be comfortable at very many churches. So he's had to nuance something where they are welcome and they feel comfortable and safe. And um, one, one other quick story, um, Benny Amaya planted in Watts 
Um, it's right on the border of Southgate and Watts. And so he has a burden for the housing projects, but a burden for Southgate. And I said, Benny, how did you pick that area of the city? There's needs everywhere. And he said, Larry, uh, before I was a Christian, um, I was in a gang. I did a lot of bad stuff in that part of the city. He said, when God called me to plant the church, he said, Benny, I want you to go back where you wreaked a lot of havoc and you dealt drugs. You did a lot of bad stuff. And I want you to go and let's redeem that part of your story. And I want you to go bring hope and love and grace and goodness into those communities. He said, Larry, the first few weeks as I was going into these back into these neighborhoods and some of the moms who are now grandmas now recognize, recognize me and I would talk to him and, and he would say, they're like, Benny, what are you doing here? You're a bad guy. Like, you know, he's like, no, I'm changed. I'm a pastor now. No way you're a pastor, Benny. There's no way. And he goes, yes, senora, I'm so sorry. I know I did a lot of bad stuff, but I'm here to give back and do good now. And uh, Benny's growing a, a neat gospel community, um, you know, in that part of the city. But those are just two examples. But those are nuanced expressions, you know, where, um, you know, he's taken his calling, his story and background and trying to, and trying to lead, lean into it, if you will, and, and see what God wants to do to reach people that wouldn't fit in a lot of churches, you know, today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.